Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program on the eve of preseason game number two as the Texans take on the Rams in L.A. Friday night, 9 p.m. kick right here and the Bull 100.3 FM and ABC 13. And our gift to you tonight, among other things, because we have great content, Thomas Booker on the show. We also have Michael Dwumfor on the program and Chris Moore, receiver who you will see tomorrow night in L.A. doing his thing, is a suspension talk and return talk free zone. We all know about the suspension and the return here in December. And, of course, there will be much discussed about that. But guess what? We have games to discuss, plenty of them, including the one against the Rams tomorrow night. So, John Harris and I welcome in the general, John McClain, who's talked about it enough today, John, so I'm not even going to ask you anymore, but I will ask you this. How are you doing, and what do you think of practice? Because it was more like a regular season-type practice yesterday instead of one of those hard-hitting training camp-type practices in full pads. Well, everything's going great. First of all, you know, they only got two preseason games left. After that last preseason game, they get a long break. And I would think coaches – would want to play the starters in the last preseason game because if you don't, then they're going to have more than three weeks before the start of regular season. And that's a lot of rust that you'd have to work through, but it's pretty obvious that uh, Lovey wants them to be ready for this game, a, uh, a late game on Friday night. And uh, I'm excited about it. You guys get to see SoFi Stadium and uh, I'll be watching and I'm excited about it because it's one step closer to the start of regular season. General, the excitement level of seeing Derek Stingley, we, we think he's going to play. We don't know for sure, but we think he's going to play. But if he does, even if he plays three or four plays, your excitement level, what do you think the fans' excitement level is to see Derek Stingley after not playing last week against the Saints? I think he has to play. You can't wait the last minute to put him out there and then expect him to go in as a rookie and not make some mistakes. He needs playing time. And uh, because he's third overall pick and people are going to get excited about him. They want to see him. He looks the part. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make some plays. The key is to get him ready for the Colts and then have him improve from there. Maybe he'll make plays like Jalen Petrie did. Jalen Petrie made plays just like he did it. Baylor around the line of scrimmage and on special teams. So everybody wants to see Derek Stingley Jr. because he is one of the highest um, selected cornerbacks in NFL history. Mm. All right, we'll see what happens on Friday night against the L.A. Rams. Nine o'clock kick, by the way, I want to remind everybody once again, I'll be doing this like every five minutes tonight. Latest kickoff <laughs> in Texans preseason history. John McClain is with us. General, if you're right and the starters play a bunch more next week, or at least some, against the San Francisco 49ers in this Thursday night preseason finale at NRG Stadium, what do you want to see from Mills in this game against the Rams tomorrow night? More than he showed in the first game. He needs to play a little bit more. You know, the first team was not on the defense they put out there, and there were eight starters missing from the lineup but the defense let Andy Dalton go right down the field. They need Davis Mills to go right down the field, especially if he's got his regular starters out there. And you mentioned the 49ers. I'm guessing for Amazon's first game mm. and the money that Amazon is paying the NFL and will pay the NFL, they're talking about $100 million for a Black Friday afternoon game that they're going to want 
the 49ers and the Texans not to do like the typical last preseason game used to be where you put out all the scrubs because they're working out a lot of kicks too. And, and uh, so I would guess we'd see the starters more this week. And then I think we'd see them a little more next week, whether it's a half or whatever they want to do, but they got to get this team ready to play the Colts. And the way they used to do it, the starters played a quarter, then two quarters, and then three quarters. And then when they played the fourth preseason game, they played most of the game to be ready the next week to step up and play. They used to play on Labor Day weekend, and the ratings were never good because everybody was on a holiday. So then they figured out, okay, we're not going to start till the weekend after Labor Day, which was one of the smartest decisions they ever made, because then they start with a bang. And so that's the way it used to be. And I don't remember teams having a lot of injuries using that kind of strategy. But then when the salary cap came and then players started staying in such great shape throughout the offseason because they had tremendous facilities to work out at, cafeterias to eat three meals a day, players were more ready for the start of regular season because of what they'd been doing the entire offseason. And then preseason to make sure they were in tip-top shape mentally and physically. John, if we go to 18 games and it seems like a foregone conclusion, so you're saying no Labor Day even in that case, so we're going to push right up against March here with the Super Bowl with an 18-game model. Is that your thought? It does it matter. The Super Bowl, you could put it in May. It doesn't matter. You know, when a, when a city gets the Super Bowl, they have to set aside the hotel rooms and everything for a month. So if you got Super Bowl scheduled on February 7th, you got to have the rest of February in case there's some catastrophic event that forces you to move it back. And because it can be played in cold weather, and they usually don't play in cold weather, what does it matter if it's March 1st? I think when they go to 18 games, they got to go to two bye weeks. That's the only fair thing to do, but they're never going to play on Labor Day weekend. They learn the hard way. That's not the way to tip it off. So I've been wondering what I would do if I won the lottery when it got up to like 900, yeah. you know, almost to a billy. A hundred million. That's all it would take to get a Black Friday game. I could put on my YouTube channel. Is that like if I went to the NFL and said, look, I'll give you 150 million of my lottery winnings. But you got to broadcast the game on my YouTube channel with that. Yeah, that's it. That's something I could do. Yeah, that's a wise oh. investment, Johnny. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I would be promoting something pretty darn good if you're going to invest that kind of cash. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So at that point, John, we know with the Rams and Sean McVay, I don't think he's played a starter in a preseason game in years. But I asked Nick and I asked Mark this question. If, if McVay said to us, look, you're going to play one of these other, which team or which player do you think would give the Texans a better look on Friday night, Aaron Donald or Matt Stafford. One of them has to play. Which one would you want the Texans to face to get more out of their presence? I would want to see them play Stafford because the defense was terrible last year. Lovey was not happy with the secondary, so they got four new starters in the secondary, which is rare. I don't know if I've ever seen that with a team I've covered for 45 years that they just – they just flush everything and have four. Now they're going to be playing five because the Rams will be playing multiple receivers, but I think they'd rather see Stafford and see if they could get some pressure on him 
and see how these DBs, especially the two rookies, and Jonathan Owens, first-time starter, Stephen Nelson's a veteran starter, to see how they go against some of the best receivers and one of the best offenses in the NFL. And uh, because we know Aaron Donald would create havoc on the interior of the offensive line, and we don't need to see that. We know it. And so that's why I'd rather see the secondary and the pass rush. John, they've had some nicks at tight end, obviously, and they traded for Shaheen, and now he's on IR after the trade did not go through, went back to the Dolphins, went on IR. Uh, Mike McDaniel said, yeah, this proves the system works. Okay, I guess. But if it comes time, when it comes time for waiver claims and that kind of thing, do you expect tight end to be the position where they might look the most? We don't know what's going to happen in these last two games injury-wise, but based on where we are right now. What McDaniel said made no sense whatsoever. They <laughs> asked him the question and he tap danced and talked about the system. First time head coach having to respond to a tough question like that. And, you know, Shaheem had practiced the whole time before the trade and then they failed him here. And then he goes back and next thing you know, he's on our and Evan surgery and uh, maybe he got hurt on the flight going from uh, Miami to Houston, but Nick Casario and Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton obviously wanted a tight end who specialized in blocking. Now, uh, Shaheem's former second-round pick, so Nick's not afraid to trade low picks for players. So I could see before a tight end was waived and you risk uh, who's going to get him, Casario trading another low pick for a tight end that he figures is going to be traded. And the fact is blocking tight ends, <laughs> I think the best quote I've seen yet in training camp was uh, what Farrell Brown said his agent told him blocking tight ends make the minimum. And uh, so I think Casario will add a blocking tight end, and I'm guessing it's going to be for a low pick like he was willing to do for Sheehan. John and Mark, you say this question for a little bit later. Okay. We've seen every single practice in training camp. So I don't think anything qualifies as a surprise in some sense, but as we start moving towards very quickly, mind you, we are a week away from that last preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers cuts are coming, but the opposite of cuts are, Oh man, that guy's a surprise to make this team is there a player that you look at and think okay maybe it's not a surprise to me because I've seen every single day and every single practice but maybe to the fans going wait a second that guy made the team who is that I don't know who that is do you have a guy or two in mind that could potentially make this team that might be a surprise to others that haven't been following it the way that we have well, first of all, cuts are not nearly as big a deal as they used to be because you put them back on a practice squad. Right. So a guy like Kurt Heinish, big Heine is, Sean Pendergast, the Golden Domer calls him. You know, he, I, there's a lot of competition in the interior defensive line. Would they keep a guy like that over a Ross Blacklock? And if, if Heinish, uh, and they like him and they cut him, they could probably put him on the practice squad. Ooh. And I think that the, toughest cuts are going to be at receiver because they got numbers and the receivers may force them to keep an extra one and cut a guy to another position. And, uh, but they'll have plenty on the practice squad way to elevate, to elevate. But every time I look at those receivers, the guy like Johnny Johnson, the third, I've not even paid any attention to him. And then he made the play of the game 
along with Jalen Camp. And who thought going into training camp, Jalen Camp had a chance to make this team? I thought, well, practice squad again. And it still may be, but they got tough decisions. And they got veterans like Dorsett, Conley, and uh, Moore. You know, they're going to keep all three of those guys to go with their young guys. So they they got – it's a good problem to have when you have some talent at a position. And I would say a guy like Jalen Camp, who I didn't give a second thought going into camp. I was thinking, okay, Nico Collins, that's the young one I wanted to see step up, and he has. And then Camp, starting early in camp, He's looked good, and then he had that great touchdown catch, and then he had the catch on the winning drive. He's going to force his way onto this roster, and when he makes, if he makes a couple more plays in the preseason like that, they may not be able to waive him and put him on the practice squad because other teams see that. Fortunately, there are a lot of receivers out there, but if I had to pick one guy on offense, I would say Jalen Camp. If I had to pick one guy on defense because they need help in the interior, it would be Kurt Heinish, the undrafted tackle from uh, Notre Dame. That's going to be tough with Heinish, I think, and camp if it comes down to that. You're right. And who would have thunk it that with Mechie in his situation health-wise and unavailable football purposes, you're looking at a possible numbers crunch at receiver, but that appears to be the case right now. Again, we have two preseason games to go against the Rams. Tomorrow night at 9 is the next one. In general, it's really interesting to me with the Rams – and the way they handle the preseason, let's put that aside right now. I want to ask you, though, Stafford appears to be doing much better with the elbow issue. What kind of chance do you give them to repeat the NFC with the Packers? And I don't know what's going on in Tampa with Tom Brady and everything, but what kind of chance do you give the Rams to be Super Bowl champs back-to-back? Let me go back right quick. John Madge, third. We all thought when he was ready, he'd come in and he'd play in a slot. Right now, he's an extra second-round pick next year. They got 11 picks next year right now. We know Casario probably trade a couple and add a couple. Two number one picks. John Mechie is an extra number two. So when people look at it this year like, oh, man, it's terrible. They're not going to have Mechie. Start thinking ahead because this time next year that we might be talking about the Texans as a wild-card contender. That's when they're going to be ready to shock the world. As far as the Rams, I don't give them a chance. Until a team repeats, I'm not going to pick them because we haven't seen it since the Patriots after the 03 and 04 season. And there's just so much balance Um, in both sides. You know, people ask about who's the team in the NFC. Well, the Packers play a bad division. They always seem to get home field advantage. They can't do squat with it. Okay, Tom Brady's coming back, assuming he doesn't take a – vacation during regular season, but he's got three interior linemen who are gone. They've got personnel issues. Gronk's gone. So do you pick them? And the Rams, if you look at it, you know, the Rams and the Packers and the Bucks seem to be the three best teams. And if it comes down to it, I got to go with the Packers and the Rams. And if the Rams have home field advantage, whether they have home field advantage or not, the Packers can't do anything with it when they get it. And so I'd say be one of them. I think the NFL, the AFC has has more balance and more power, but it's it seems right now, based on if you look at what I just said, the Rams could have a very good chance to get back because of what they're going up against. John, your boy Matt Rule has taken fighting Baylor Bears to a whole different level. 
when they went to Foxborough. But all indications are the Panthers went up there outside of the fights and held their own in the uh, joint practices against the Patriots. And it looks like Baker Mayfield will indeed be the number one quarterback there. If Baker keeps it under control and just doesn't give games away and kind of plays, you know, within the system, so to speak, could the Panthers be a sneaky hot team in the NFC? Well, first of all, the two years that Mayfield was healthy with the Browns, he didn't give games away. You know, they won. Right. And they got to the second round of the playoffs. He's the only quarterback on the Browns history to win a road playoff game since 69. And I was a sophomore in high school. And he's hungry. He's playing for money. He's got a chip on his shoulder because of the way things happened in Cleveland. But the key is Christian McCaffrey. When McCaffrey signed that big contract, he's been hurt the last two years. If he's hurt, they're in trouble. If he's back and he's healthy, giving them the versatility that we saw him do when he played here, for, uh, was that last two years ago? When was it he had that two great years. game? Yeah, 2019. When he was great at receiving and ago. rushing. Well, yeah, and yeah. if he can stay healthy, he can do that and provide a lot of balance. They got a couple of receivers, but still – you know, to me, the the they'd be fighting the Saints for second place. And we don't know what the Saints got. Dennis Allen was four and twelve, two years at head coach for the Raiders. You know, Jameis Winston had a five touchdown game early last year, blew out his knee. The loss of Sean Payton, who controlled everything, including personnel, has got to impact the Saints. So if they were to be a if if all of a sudden you're right, the Panthers were better than everybody thought. Could they finish second? Maybe, but that still might have be a team with a losing record and finish second in a terrible division after the Buccaneers. General, I'm looking at the NFC. I talked about it with the Rams. We talked about Tampa a little bit, Green Bay a little bit, but give me the NFC East here. Are you going to pick the Cowboys over the Eagles? What are you thinking there? There's been no repeat division champion since Andy Reid won four in a row with the Eagles, and that seems like eons ago. Cowboys have the best quarterback by far. Uh, they've got a good defense. A lot of people want to pick Philadelphia. And, okay, Jalen Hurts is going into his third year. They gave him A.J. Brown. You know, we, the three of us, know what A.J. Brown is capable of. I still can't believe that the – Boy, that the Titans didn't find a way to get his contract worked out. And he'll make them stronger. But I'm going with the Cowboys because of Dak Prescott, who is clearly the best quarterback in that division. And history says, nope, it'll be somebody else. Well, we know it's not going to be the Commanders, and we know it's not going to be the Giants. So it'd have to be the Eagles. It'll be a great two-team race in the NFCs. John, are the Buffalo Bills the best team a, in the NFL, B, in the AFC. Who boy. Mm. Kansas City beat them last year. Kansas yep. City lost Tyreek Hill. Buffalo, I don't think, lost any of their best players. Everybody's picking the Bills. I'd love to see the Bills do it for their fans. You know, great fans. It's been, you know, four, four Super Bowl losses. Can you imagine if they go back and they get beat again, get beat on a missed field goal? But I'd love <laughs> to see it. But when everybody's picking it, you know, what are the odds? Yeah. As long as Kansas City 
has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and I don't care who the receivers and the running backs are, they are a Super Bowl contender. The team that didn't make the playoffs, and I'm guessing you guys will agree with this, that has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl is the one we saw the Texans knock out of the playoffs, the Los Angeles Chargers. They added to their defense. Gosh, Justin Herbert may be a get $300 million guaranteed quarterback this time next year. That guy is big time. They didn't let any key players get away. And they may win that division. And, but I'm, I'm going to pick the Bills because I want the Bills to do it because I want them to do it for their fans. They got a first-class organization in every way. Every time I look at Josh Allen now, a quarterback the Texans beat, in their last playoff victory in 2019, he looks like a tight end. You know, he's 6'5", and he's, he hit the weights. Everybody talks about the way he looks physically well, the way he plays. He's got to be able to take punishment. But, you know, who doesn't like the Bills? Maybe the Jets fans. So I'm hoping it's Buffalo's year. That's a good point. You know, I hate a lot of teams. Colts, Cowboys. Do I have to list them all right here? I no, because we don't have all day. Yeah. But I don't hate the Bills. I want to beat them badly, but it's not a hatred thing for me. It's a little bit different with that. General John Harris brought up the fighting Baylor Bears, but in a Carolina Matt Rule context. I'm going to bring him up in a college context only because of the deal that was announced this morning that the Big Ten is getting $7 billion with a B, $7 billion a year. No, it's not a year. It's a total deal with NBC, CBS, and was it Fox, Johnny? Fox. And yeah. So yep. it's going to be about a billion a year for the league. It's a seven-ish year deal. Your thoughts on that and how it further affects the landscape of college sports? No, that's great. There's two big conferences, the SEC, which will always be the best, you know, the Big Ten, let's face it, they get all that money because of their TV markets, not because they're great. You know, Michigan beat Ohio State. Give me a break. Now, Ohio State is the best school in USC and UCLA. Maybe sorry they did it on the field, just like Oklahoma and Texas could be sorry they're going to SEC on the field, but it's all about money. And uh, it's interesting that uh, with NILs, you know, schools don't have to give money illegally anymore. And now there's plenty to give. And so more power to them. You know, ESPN dropped out. ESPN's got the Big 12 and they got the SEC. And and uh, by Morgan and Washington, of course, they want to go to the Big 10. But Big 10, those schools, why should they share that money? You know, the states of Washington and Oregon don't bring a lot to the table as far as eyeballs. It's funny to me. I would love to know. Well, USC and UCLA, how many people watch their games in LA? You know, there's so many things mm -hmm. going on in LA. You know, they I know they got it for the TV market, but just because you're in a big TV market doesn't necessarily mean people care about watching your team. Yeah, but you know what? People are going to want to watch Michigan and Ohio State in LA because you have all the transplants and people True. who are fans. I mean, these are big time, Wisconsin even. These are big time schools playing UCLA and UC USC now. So I think that'll have somewhat of a, of an impact yeah. in that market. Perhaps. I, I think what it does will. it mean to beat a UCLA today? Give me a break. Does that no, I know, but they're, pl who they're playing. No, let's be honest. UCLA wasn't so much the throw in, but it was the throw in the U sure. USC was the big sure. dog in this, but John, I'll ask you this because the big 12 kind of teetering sort of like the pac 12 is teetering as well. I think the Big 12 stays alive 
in some way, shape, or form, which Baylor is in right now. But if the Big 12 dissolved, would you feel better about Baylor going into a revised Pac-12 or to the ACC? Well, I don't think Baylor's – I don't think the Big 12 is going to resolve with the four teams they've added. They're about to get a bigger TV deal. Their rights are coming up, I think, in one more year. They got a new commissioner. And because they're spread out all over the country in every time zone, um, they like what they bring to the table. Texas and Oklahoma, you know, what's Texas, it's a brand, of course, but what's Texas done lately? Uh, Texas has done something in 05 and 06. I can't even remember the last time they were a prominent national team. Now, Oklahoma is, but Oklahoma's gone from Lincoln Riley to a defensive coordinator as the head coach. They had a lot of transfers, and Oklahoma will always be good because the Sooners recruit well, but the Longhorns recruit well too. And they're just coming off one of their greatest uh, recruiting seasons. And Steve Sarkeesian bombs out again. Gary Patterson's going to be the head coach there. And uh, everybody knows it. So it doesn't bother me whatever happens to Baylor. I've never had illusions of grandeur about Baylor being in the SEC or the Big Ten or any of that. But the Pac-12 is kind of yesterday's news. And uh, a year ago, Pac-12 was not interested in, in the Big 12. Now the Big 12 is not interested in the Pac-12, although I use, would like to see them get Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado and uh, bring them in. BYU natural rivalry rivalry with Utah. So I, you know, just because you get 20 million less a year doesn't mean you're going to go out of business. You got wealthy alums can write you a check for that. General, thanks so much for the time as always. We really enjoyed the visit and we look forward to tomorrow night. I look forward to tomorrow night too. Look forward to listening to you guys and uh, have a have a great time in LA and don't get any trouble. Who us never. All right, there's the General John McClain. Always a pleasure to have him on. Now, a couple of reminders here. We mentioned the 9 o'clock kick. Remember that. Also, it's on ABC 13. It's live right here and on the Bull 100.3 FM. Many of you are listening at home on the app, on your home smart device like Alexa or whatever. Yes, you can get it on there and then slow down the TV signal with your DVR controller and hear the radio call with the TV. But I recommend listening to Spencer Tillman and Kevin Kugler and Drew Doherty on the sideline as well. Listen to everybody. How about that? But once we get to the regular season, definitely tune out the TV announcers for sure. And check it out on your home smart device and sync it up with the TV. I recommend it. If you're somewhere else this weekend, you're traveling on a Friday night, you want to listen in Austin, we're on 1300 AM. You want to listen in San Antonio, we're on 760. In fact, on the website, you can find all the stations that the Texans radio network is on. Very cool. And TV stations all over the state as well. So you will not miss the game. There are no excuses. So check out the game Friday night, 9 p.m. Coming up, we're going to hear from some Texans coming off the practice field as they get ready for the big tilt preseason game number two. We've got Thomas Booker from Stanford. He's coming up in the last segment. Michael Dwumfor, a D lineman, really interesting guy, coming up next segment. And Chris Moore, who will undoubtedly be seeking to make some big plays against L.A. tomorrow. He's next here on Texans Radio. 24 hours from now, we will not be kicking the ball yet because the game kicks at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Did I mention that yet? Texans at Rams, 9 p.m. right here. Of course, we'll be in pregame mode 24 hours from now. 
and also live on ABC 13. Now, live on the field will be Chris Moore, receiver who wears number 15, and he made some plays last year, touchdown against the Patriots. That was sweet. He's been making a lot of catches in camp. You've read about him in Harris Hits. Johnny's talked about him on the air. Well, here, let's hear from the receiver with DP Sidhu, the deep slant interview presented by Xfinity. Chris, it's got to feel good to be out here playing some preseason games. How has camp gone for you so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been good. It's Like you said, it's great to be back out here just playing football and just working with the team. You've made some pretty gorgeous catches out here in practice. When you think about the chemistry between you and Mills, how has it really improved from last year to this year? I mean, it's proved a lot. We got a lot of off-season work. We did two trips where we went somewhere and threw together. So, I mean, I just think it's going to keep growing and keep building. How important is that for quarterbacks and wide receivers to get together in the offseason? You guys obviously get a lot of work during the season, but what can you accomplish in the offseason that you can't accomplish during these normal practices? Uh, we get more just chances to work on our timing because the NFL is a big timing league. So you got to be able to, he has to trust where I'm going to be at, and I have to trust that he's going to throw the ball where I'm going to be at. So, I mean, it's very important to get that work in. I mean, you worked with a lot of different quarterbacks. Year seven, is it more on the receiver to adjust their timing, or is it a little bit of the quarterback, or is it both? I would say it's a little bit of both. It's really, like I said, it's a trust thing, and we got to trust each other that I'm going to be in a spot, and he's going to throw it to the spot. I've got Terrence Brooks here watching you, and he's got some autographs. Terrence, do you want to say anything? Oh, no, I just really like this guy. I just listen to him talk. He's a great guy. I love that guy. Love him. <laughs> we got a little audience of one. All right, Chris, so a lot of people have talked about Pep Hamilton running this offense. You were here last year. Without giving too much away, what's yeah. been the biggest difference with Pep running this offense? I would just say, I mean, a lot of offenses have little similarities in it. So there's, it, it's the NFL. You just got to learn the concepts and stuff. But, I mean, I think it's just the, the mentality that we're bringing to the offense. And I think once we show our identity throughout the season, we show who we are, it's going to be fun and successful. What have you thought about the wide receivers group here so far? You've obviously got Brandon Cooks, but yeah. you got a lot of young guys as well. And yeah. Nico, you saw Nico's growth from last year to yeah. this year. As a whole, you know, what do you like about the wide receivers? Um, I just like everybody, nobody's uh, selfish. Everybody is in here to do a job, and we're all making each other better. We're all very smart guys. I think everybody studying the playbook knows almost every position. So it's, it's great competition in there, and that just makes everybody better. All right, you're obviously a veteran in the league, so when you look at your game, how is it that you can get better year over year working with a guy like Davis Mills? Yeah. It just, for me, it's being more consistent and, and making sure that the quarterbacks can trust me and know where I am, and when they throw me the ball, they know that I'm going to make that catch for them. So that's just every, every year I, I come in the league and do another year, I'm just trying to just improve my consistency, really. Did you do anything different in the offseason? This was one of the first offseasons I really got to spend a lot of time with the quarterbacks like we did, like we said, so that was it. And then I started training with my uh, one of my good friends, teammates. I did it last year, but it's now two years in a row, so I get in the feel for it, and so I feel like that's been helping me a lot. So when you're working out with Davis Mills and, and the, the wide receivers and you guys are out, I know there's a lot of stuff that you guys do off the field to sort of bond. What was yeah. your most favorite thing that you did? Uh, I'm a big food guy, so I like oh, to eat. Okay, yeah. So we, we went to some nice restaurants, got some good food. We also went golfing, too, so I've been, I've been getting into golf a lot lately, and so it's just fun. It's just fun to hang out with these guys outside of football because you get to relax and get to just to talk about different things that aren't related to football, so it's great. All right, there's D.P. Sidhu with Chris Moore. Now let's hear from another player who you will undoubtedly see tomorrow night against the L.A. Rams at SoFi. This is Michael Dwumford. Joined the team relatively late in the season, immediately made an impact and was much needed because the Texans were really hurting on the D-line at one point and had COVID issues and everything else. Jacksonville, he appeared in that game. Anyway, 
He was at Michigan, went to Rutgers as well. He's from New Jersey. We get into all that. I caught up with him coming off the practice field. Hey, Mike, when you showed up last year, you made plays right away. What do you attribute that to, being able to contribute the way you did? Uh, I attribute that to uh, Coach Levy's defense uh, when I came in. Uh, they just, you know, took me in, showed me the ropes, showed me the system. And when I got my opportunity, you know, I just took advantage and God, God just let me do what I do. How does this system compare with others you've been in? Uh, I'm used to playing in the system, uh, like penetrating, coming off the ball. Uh, I played it in college, so kind of uh, it's what I do. So. All right, so you're from New Jersey, but yes, you're at Michigan and Rutgers. Better campus to hang out at, oh, Michigan man. or Rutgers? Uh, I didn't get an opportunity to, uh, to see Rutgers campus because it was COVID year when I was there. So, you know, I, I got to go with Ann Arbor. All right. And what do people not understand about New Jersey? Sometimes New Jersey gets a bad rap. Are you going to defend New Jersey? Uh, no need to, man. People can think what they want, but we some, we some dogs, man. We some... You know, we go get it at the end of the day. So, you know, it's dirty jersey for a reason. You got a lot of football talent in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, most definitely. All over north, south. We, we, we got a lot of talent. You know, we're a small state, but, you know, we carry big weight. Yeah, way more than New York, and New York's a huge state. Michael, tell me about the D-line room, and who stands out to you personality-wise? Like, who's the real cut-up, jokester, or somebody who kind of holds court in that meeting room? Oh, man, I... I I can't pick one guy because I, I promise you we're all comedians. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the funnest uh, D-lines that I've ever been a part of. You know, Coach Jock brings great, you know, enthusiasm and, uh, you know, br brings good chemistry between everybody, you know, and uh, it's a blessing to be a part of the D-line, you know, great group of guys. And, uh, you know, we push each other every day, have fun every day. So, When you have a coach like Jacques Césaire who played for a while, yeah. Does that make it a little bit different, knowing that he's been through what you're going through? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it makes it, you know, when when we have those tough days, you know, he looks, he gives you that look like, yeah, I know. I've been through here before, you know, saying, you know, giving us good words of encouragement to keep us going. And, you know, Jock, Jock's a great guy. Okay, so regular training camp practice in pads versus what you had on Wednesday, which is more like a regular season practice, and it looks like you're doing some, not game planning, but getting used to your roles and things like that. Which is more enjoyable to you as a player, or does it not matter? Uh, I love football, period. So whatever, you know, coaches, whatever we have for the day is, you know, is what I'm going to do, you know what I mean? It involves football, and I love football. This is my job, my dream job, so... You know, it's a blessing to come out here every day and be able to put on a Texas logo. What does it mean to you to go play the Rams in L.A.? You know, it is just another football game, but at the end of the day, we want to go out there and, and, and win and uh, get better as a team. Um, you know, they are obviously the former Super Bowl champs, you know, playing in front of one of the greatest players of all time, Aaron Donald. So, uh, you know, definitely just going to go do what – you know, I've been coached to do, you know, so that's play football and do my job. Michael, thanks a lot. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. Texans defensive lineman Michael Dwumfor. Now coming up, another DL. This is going to be Thomas Booker in the final segment. And Drew Doherty. Nobody asks the questions that Drew does, and that's probably a good thing. And that's coming up as we hear from Thomas Booker going back to the West Coast to play against the Rams Tomorrow night, 9 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, I have mentioned that a few times. It's Texans Radio.
All right, bringing it home here, Texans Radio, on the eve of preseason game number two when the Texans take on the Rams, 9 o'clock tomorrow night in Southern California. Now, speaking of California, that's where Stanford is located, and there's some stereotyping going on. Those Stanford guys are smart. That's kind of because, you know, they are. Anyway, Drew Doherty catches up with one of them. Thomas Booker, rookie for your Houston Texans, playing on the D-line. Here's Drew. Thomas Booker, defensive lineman for the Houston Texans, joins us now on Drew's Dozen. Booker is your last name. Did you know there used to be a TV show called Booker? No, I did not. I was not aware of that. When, when did it come out? It was in the early 90s, so well before you. It was a spinoff of the 21 Jump Street franchise, and it was starring a guy named Richard Grieco. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, uh, that was before I was probably even a thought. So, yeah, I don't think I was hip to that one. This interview is off to an awful start. So let's go with 1999, the year you were born. Yep. Phenomenal year, pop culturally. I'm going to say one thing or person. you got to answer with something else from 1999 that resonated. I'll start. Britney okay. Spears? 1999 by Prince. Boom. That's a good one. I'll take it. Okay. How about the Backstreet Boys? In sync. Star Wars coming back, that movie. Star Trek, I guess. Like the older <laughs> the older Star Trek, yeah. All right, we made it three. That's cool. 1999, yeah. though, phenomenal year. You were born that year. Crab cakes and lacrosse mm. or crab cakes and football? I know crab cakes and football is the saying from that movie, but it's really crab cakes and lacrosse if you're from Maryland, right? So I say crab cakes and lacrosse just because lacrosse is so much more of a thing in Maryland than it is anywhere else. I feel like there's a couple of places that claim football as being like, you know, a religion. Texas is one of them. So I'd probably say lacrosse. You know, you see a lot of the talent across the country in college. They're all from Maryland. Probably crab cakes and lacrosse just because those are two very Maryland things. Are you a crab cake guy? I am a crab cake guy. I'm a big crab cake and Old Bay guy. Crab cake and Old Bay. And a lot of people I hear, like, don't put too much breading in it, so on and so forth. What's the deal? So I think that when you put too much breading on it is because you don't have actually, like, good crab. So you're just trying to fry it, you know, so people really can't taste the quality. So I'd say that there's definitely a... Uh, a quotient to hit with the amount of breading versus the amount of crab meat. So I'm not too much of a, a huge bread guy. Did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played a ton of different sports. Played tennis. Tennis is actually my first sport. My dad played it too. My dad played um, linebacker at the University of Wisconsin, but he started playing tennis. So I was in that sport first. Then it was baseball, basketball. Uh, ran track for a little bit. Did shot and disc. So I tried to, you know, stay away from specialization as much as I could when I was a kid. I appreciate my parents for letting me uh, go to everything and drive me to everything. So is tennis the favorite of those other non-football sports? It's probably either tennis or basketball. I used to watch a lot of tennis. Like Roger Federer was like my favorite player. Roger Federer and Serena, those are the two. So I used to watch the grand slams between Federer and Nadal all the time. My sister also played tennis. So I usually, she's 10 years older than me. So I spent a lot of my childhood driving around with my parents to go see her play and all that. So probably tennis or basketball. You know, bringing up Federer, Serena, Michael Phelps is not tennis, but I'm thinking champions of champions, yeah. like winners yeah. at the highest level. Who would you say athletically is the tippy top in that regard? I'd say overall, unfortunately, because I'm a big, big LeBron fan, it's probably Michael Jordan in terms of like the champion of champions. You can't really do that much better than a perfect resume in the finals. I think then it goes Tom Brady. You know, just the amount of times he's been to the big game and the amount of times that he's won it, it's hard to, to equal that, especially in a sport like football, whereas there's no series, one game, any given Sunday. And then I'd probably have to, to go with the tennis guys. I think Djokovic is coming up on it now, but I think Serena, Federer, Pete Sampras, all those guys, yeah. What are you reading these days? So what I'm reading right now is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm about to finish that one up right now. 
super interesting. Basically, just kind of tells you about some of the misgivings we have as a society about success and where it comes from. So that's super interesting. And I finished a couple of other books. Surveillance Capitalism was another one that I was that I was reading about, just kind of talking about social media and all the data mining and all that sort of stuff. So I've been trying to kind of skip through different genres and topics, trying to get some different different reads. That sounds like a, a very interesting book. Also sounds semi-frightening. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, once you realize how much uh, you know data people have on you, it's definitely a different different era that we're living in. But times change, so you gotta you gotta have the knowledge to be equipped to deal with it. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that happens? Ooh, first thing that happens, I get a bottle of water. I get a bottle of water, and then I just you know sit there for a little bit, center myself. You know, sometimes you have that fog of sleep that you have to get through for you know the first 10 to 15 minutes or the first hour you being awake so i try to get that off just by being a little bit more mindful centering myself a little bit the lights go out your head hits the pillow how long till you actually fall asleep so i have a whoop little fitness band that does sleep tracking so it actually tells me my my latency which is how long it takes me to go to sleep usually it's between like probably five and ten minutes which is great for me that means like i go to bed at 9 45 i'm down by around 9 55 10 but you know sometimes you have thoughts swirling in your head play you might have messed up something you might have wanted to do better so it takes you a little bit longer but hopefully five to ten an artist that gets you excited mm, so my favorite artist is uh is drake i feel like drake has music for every single different situation that you're in in life whether you're trying to chill out you know his last album honestly never mind is a perfect album to just let run all the way through if you want something to get you hyped up he's got tracks for that so it's the fact that he makes music for literally every single different situation that you're going to be in you can make an entire playlist and not have to deviate at all so i'd say that's the guy that gets me hyped up but also gives me all the different vibes that i need tell me about a texans teammate who gets you amped up and hyped Ooh, up gotta be uh gotta be damian pierce for sure he's one of these guys where joking guy lighthearted, all that but when you see him on the field it just turns into an absolute dog you see the way he cuts with violence, the way he finishes his runs, and just how hyped everybody is around him for him, just because they know how genuine of a guy he is and how hard he works. Did you know about him before the draft? I mean, had you seen his Florida tape? Yeah, so the, the one clip that I'm sure everyone had seen was the one where his helmet came off and he kept running. And I don't know why they didn't give him the touchdown on that, but I think that just encapsulates exactly who he is as a runner and as a person. He's not going to take no for an answer, you know, on the field. So definitely saw him from that I knew he's gonna be a special guy coming in with no consequences nobody's gonna judge you get mad at you for eating this but you can make anything you want eat anything you want what's the meal the perfect meal that you're gonna have perfect meal I like salmon a lot my dad cooked a lot of salmon when I was growing up so probably salmon with a, a nice glaze on it I'd probably add on to that like mac and cheese is like the carb and then I finish with probably broccoli or like spinach so i actually kind of got tricked into liking spinach by um spinach is good spinach is good it is good it is good it is good spinach uh, gets a bad rap but it was popeye the sailor man that got me kind of hooked on it because i'm like all right like this dude's turning into a mr buff the forearms yeah exactly exactly so i'm like all right i want to be that when i grow up so i think my dad kind of programmed that into me a little bit when i was young and i'm thankful for it because i like spinach no dessert not a sweets guy no well i try not to be a sweets guy just because like when i get it in the house i kind of just completely just demolish it and i'm like all right at least i don't have to have it later i'd probably pick chocolate chip cookies but like not like a hard cookie more of like a 
you know, soft, gooey, cookie. I'm not a fan of like the really crunchy ones. Only weirdos are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't really like that. People that have that in their house, it's kind of a, a red flag. On that note, we're going to wrap this up. Thomas Booker, great to talk with you. Really appreciate the time. This has been a Drew's Dozen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Drew Doherty with Thomas Booker, Stanford defensive lineman, Texans defensive lineman, playing tomorrow night against the L.A. Rams on the road. Nine o'clock kick live right here and on ABC 13. Hey, the preseason finale is just a week away. Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers, August 25th. It'll be live here as well. Some tickets remain at HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. want to thank everyone for listening tonight. Have a great evening. Looking forward to tomorrow. Go Texans!